dead. Don't ask me that again. He was dead, okay? I saw him with these, with these crabs. Let me do it. Don't even. He was there, goddammit, and he was wearing your jacket, Barry. Where'd he go? Did the crabs carry him away? I, I swear to God. I believe you. He took the body. He came here. He took the body. Why would he do that? I don't know, Barry. Okay, why would he try to run you over? Why did he make coleslaw on Helen's head? He's fucking with us. Come on, Julie. Let's go back to the house. Where's your jacket, Barry? Don't you see? He's got us now. Okay, this is exactly what he wants. We can't go to the police, not now. He's made sure of that. He's just out there and he's watching us and waiting. What are you waiting for, huh? What are you waiting for? You know what I'm waiting for, Mary? I'm waiting what? for this stupid movie to be over. <laughs> <laughs> I. What are you waiting for, huh? The credits! <laughs> I'm waiting for Jennifer Love Hewitt's moment to pass. Yes. I'm waiting for this to change. I Where's your jacket, Barry? Where's your jacket, Barry? I mean, how many takes, you, you know? <laughs> you know what I think my favorite part of this sequence is? Sarah Michelle Gellar's newsboy hat. Jesus Christ, that hat. She looks like an old lesbian on the Sage bus in the Pride Parade with that hat on. I just she looks like Eponine running through the barricade, Barry. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you know, and then not for nothing, then she gets to the the parade that night, and her hair is fine, gorgeous, gorgeous. gorgeous. <laughs> like I expected her to look like Rosemary Woodhouse, and <laughs> she just looked like Buffy Summers. I I was like, well, I wouldn't call this coleslaw, Julie. You know. Uh, yeah, the fisherman is actually a really, really wonderful hairstyle. Yeah, he went to the Paul Mitchell Academy, actually. Um, that's actually where he got the hand injury. You know, it was a curling iron. Oh, Reached the oh, wrong okay. end of it. Yeah, bada bing, bada Oops. boom. And the hook was easier for when he was doing biolage, you know? <laughs> I don't even know what biolage is, but I've seen it on the signs outside of salons. I think it involves yeah, foil. Yeah, twist. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure, for sure. It's it's easier to twist it and yeah. you know, create those those bobs. Yeah, and um, he's doing a bit of a curl. He can just yeah. twist the hair around his hook, <laughs> hold the blow dryer over it, and then two minutes later, we got Curly Sue sucking down pizza. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, no. Oh, oh my God! Sure. When are we gonna do Curly Sue on this podcast? I don't know. I don't know. Ugh. I, but child actors, though. I know, but Jim Belushi <laughs> in that is. Mm. Uh, it's uh, why do just I feel right. Like she, but why do I feel like he's not what's great about that movie? It's her, right? Like she's great in that. Well, she okay. So she's Curly, like AJ in the yes, Belushi. So <laughs> yeah. So Allison Porter is certainly the yeah AJ in the Belushi. Oh God, I wish. Uh, so she's certainly the star, but it's Jim Belushi at like he has um he's like an avocado. There's a there's just this peak period where it's just perfect and after that it just you know, uh it it's just a little brown. And he is at peak season in this movie. And then you've got the frosty Kelly Lynch lending blonde support. Oh. 
Kelly Lynch. Yeah. Okay, okay. I got to rewatch that movie then because I really only remember her. It's a winter movie because it's cold. So oh, I think we could do it in the winter um, and, and okay. you know, have some pizza. Okay. Yeah. I get her, or I feel like Curly Sue could have played the little girl from Adventures in Babysitting. Absolutely. There's a very similar delivery. Take back what you said about my pizza fingers. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Take back what you said about my dad. Yeah, yeah, right, He's homeless. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so back to this clip of the week. This I feel like this is quoted the most. This what are you waiting for, huh? And maybe that's just me, but it was because it was also in the trailer. Yes, this was definitely it was the trailer moment, and. I should have Googled this, but I thought maybe you would know or maybe a listener would know or we'd figure it out on the episode. Am I crazy that there yes. was... Oh, yes. Sorry. Yes. You know, am I... Much like in Scream 2 where they had a contest for someone in, who could be in the movie and she ended up playing an usher at the theater in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, was there something where a, a, a fan got the opportunity to be involved in this moment in terms of like the line or like... Am I crazy? Does any of that make sense? I don't know that. Okay. I don't, I don't know. Um, no, I, don't know. I don't know where I heard that, and I'm not even going to look it up because I feel like our uh, this is a perfect opportunity for our Marys to weigh in. I mm. felt like there was a, it was almost like someone, there was a contest for what's Julie going to yell out? You know what I mean? Oh. oh. Or what do you yeah, want to happen I, in this moment? I don't know. So I have no idea. I wouldn't think, well, it's interesting because I was going to say I wouldn't think Kevin Williamson would allow that, but he certainly did with Scream 2. Right, right. So who knows? I um, Maybe he's just passing the blame onto somebody else for this moment. Mm, uh-huh. Yeah. This went from crazy to 60 very quickly. The whole scene doesn't really work because how did he get the body and the crabs out of there? And the fish so smell. Quickly? The, the crab smell. Yeah. It would be yeah. disgusting in there. Yeah, it's pristine. It's pristine. I, this was such a plot hole for me that took me out of the movie because I was like, is he supernatural? Did she just imagine that? Because he... the. the it was disgusting in there. There were so many crabs. Uh, Max's body, for whatever reason, didn't have the cut on his throat. Uh-huh. You know, there, there were just a lot of problems. And she locked the door. She closed the trunk and then had her keys with her. Right, 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 right. I agree. It was just, and there's a lot of moments like that in this movie where it's like, come on. You know, I'll, I'll suspend my disbelief for a movie for a good time. But like... You are you're stretching the grape juice, Kevin, you know, and I felt like this was really an example that I think, you know, later when Helen's in the police car and they go down the alley and that just happens to be where the killer is, you know, Uh it was just like this is too fucking convenient. But I that that moment, the crabs moment uh, that was that definitely (laughs) pinched me the tightest. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I I also think that in terms of believability uh obviously it's a movie right you're, you're not supposed to believe any of it but mm-hmm. you have these four kids screaming in the middle of the street they they're calling attention to themselves sarah and 
uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt are having that conversation right in front of her sister at the shop. Like, mm. how are people not aware of this? How did nobody hear Max screaming when when he was being murdered? Like the the car scene uh, that he you know he gets run over by the car and nobody could explain that. There was no police investigation. Like there was so much that was going on in these teenagers' lives that wasn't. Mm-hmm. being investigated i was like where do they live where are the adults i mean we we get yeah. like one scene with julie's mom who's mm. you know i appreciated because i had a role to play in this movie which felt sure, nice i don't know who you else did. i was gonna be uh, i was gonna be elsa obviously oh i figured you were gonna be helen Oh, I and you know what, Mary? I love her name in this movie, Helen Shivers. Helen Shivers. <laughs> what? And and I think I, I would love to play Helen. Do not get me wrong. Sure. But if it's Sarah Michelle Gellar, I would love to play her older sister for okay. sure. Okay. All right. Well, you know, I I guess I'll yeah I'll probably have to play. I don't want to be Anne Hache. You know, I I like oh, the acting Missy. opportunities of Missy. Same. I, you know, mm-hmm. she does get a couple. I keep forgetting she's in this movie, and mm. which is, you know, the larger conversation is Anne Heche as like a cultural yeah. figure in the late '90s, and oh yeah, an early lesbian for people our age, and uh-huh. and I feel like Anne Heche is someone who probably, and I might be wrong, but I feel like has an unfairly negative reputation for like being a human being or at, at some point, you know what I mean? Like, oh, completely, completely, because I think most people know about that story where she walks into somebody's house kind of in the middle of nowhere and then doesn't leave. And apparently she was on ecstasy and that's what happened. I, I did kind of look into this when I was like, Anne Heche, right, she was in Hung. Um, she wrote a book, kind of like, I think it was called Call Me Crazy. Oh. Uh, and kind of reflects on all of this. So it seems to me that like Anne Heche definitely needs some redeemability for you know all of the media attention that she got and then breaking up with Ellen and all of that um there was so, like yeah, an aliens I, thing at some point mm-hmm, I just, yes yeah I, you know but it's but I also I think like there's more to the story we 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 probably all saw all the sensational stuff but I just feel like to me that's like what's going on with Anne what's the compassion mm. story you know yeah yeah what about Missy yeah what about yeah. Missy come on Anne uh <laughs> So anyway, I I guess I'd play her if I had to, but I'm probably going to I'm going to just be Julie's mom. I have a small role in this movie, which is okay. I got to say Elsa's best scene is when <laughs> she calls Helen uh, a washed up husband and then as she's brushing her hair, she goes, "You and your hair." You so and your pathetic. hair. <laughs> yeah, a washed up, dried up wash so, oh, is the washed up, dried up husband having a moment? Hey, <laughs> she's 19. She's 19. (laughs) Two, what is Elsa's goddamn problem in this movie? Every time I turn around, she's (laughs) such a fucking bitch. (laughs) Is it jealousy? Like, right in the beginning of the movie, even, she's like, oh, do you want to ride home? And, you know... She kind of brushes her off. She says something snotty back. Like there, there's this dynamic that they're trying to create between the two of them that makes me think like is Elsa – no, were they trying to make it seem like Elsa could have been in on the killing somehow? It was way too far-fetched for that. So I'm just like, okay, she's just this proverbial older sister who – has her shit together. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she she's. I know in the book, there's very little ties to the original book, but I I know that she is considered a suspect. But you know, there, there's like cons- 
potential, you know, reasons to suspect her. But in the movie, there really isn't. And it's like, oh, is she like, are the glasses supposed to tell us that she's like the nerdy older sister? It's like, it's Bridget Wilson. Like, it's right, Mary. It's Bridget Wilson. Dash Sampras. Uh, yes, Dash Sampras. That's right, Wilson. Oh, that's so funny that her last name was Wilson because that's the, a the tennis, tennis company. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Um, but I didn't realize how. First of all, she's from Gold Beach, Oregon, which is very interesting. Um, she's she's been in a lot of movies that I didn't realize she was in The Wedding Planner, and I'm just like, oh my god, that is her. Mm. That's her. Ugh. Yeah, she was in. Um, what did I? Oh, she's in House on Haunted Hill. In 1989. Mm-hmm. House on Hunted Hill. Yeah. Uh, she was in Mortal Kombat from the 90s. That's right. She was Sonya uh, Blade. Madison. She was Sonya uh-huh. Blade. Yeah, Mary. Oh. Yeah. Oh. That's, yeah, big deal. I'll give her that. Yeah, Bridget Wilson. And I don't, I think, you know, listeners, I'm saying this every every week now because this is on the, the main feed, but as when we do these movies on our Patreon feed, an inevitable part of the episode is have we talked about any of these cast members before? Are mm. they, if you will, a Matreon alum? And mm. it looks like Bridget no. Wilson Sampras <laughs> is not an alum. No, she's not. Uh, she, very interesting that she was Miss Teen USA. Like that, you know, you think about uh, what's her face? Um, uh, 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 fuck, Mary. The, the Christmas movie I love. <laughs> Oh, oh, Scrooge, oh, that's uh, Vanessa Scrooge. Williams. That's who I was thinking. Vanessa Williams. Yeah. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. You, it's very rare that there's uh, a Miss Teen USA or a Miss America, anything that kind of makes their way up like this. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, if we wanted to really lean in, if we wanted to, like, I, I've never seen it, but my sense is that 1999's Love Stinks might be a real hate watch. Oh, and, okay. uh, the the plot Bridget stars in it, but you know the plot co-starring her the the male lead French Stewart. So we're already off to a great start. Oh, um, there you go. Seth Winnick has it all: a successful career in television, good friends, and a passionate relationship with beautiful Chelsea. However, when he fails to make a timely marriage proposal, Chelsea tries to make his life hell. So you know that's going to go over really well, especially given that it was made in 1999. Oh no! But you may that appreciate that it, yes. it co-stars Tyra Banks. Oh, I do appreciate that. Yeah. <gasps> and oh, I love Tyra. And <laughs> Tiffany Amber Thiessen. Oh, my God. Vampy Valerie. Ugh, uh-huh. I just love it. So, uh, you know, I put that out there. Any Mary's listening, you know, uh, this could be something much like, because I said so, that we watch and just hate on for an hour. There you go. Well, back to I Know What You Did Last Summer. You um, do? I, <laughs> this I is, laid on the couch. Anyway, go on. I, you know what? I I am today years old or yesterday years old, realizing that Kevin Williamson wrote this on the heels of Scream, and I don't know how it happened that it was. Well, it it was a very successful movie at the time. It like was one of those other slasher movies that came out in that decade that kind of like brought back teens into horror, but pales in comparison to Scream. Yes, so the reason for that is because he actually wrote this script first. In the mid-90s, shopped it around, nobody wanted it. Then he wrote Scream, shopped it around, Miramax bought it and loved it, and then Columbia Pictures 
bought this as the follow-up when Scream was so successful. And so <clears throat> that's been one of the criticisms of this movie is that it's not as kind of clever as mm. Scream. So it feels like this big step down. That's because he wrote this first. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, there were two references that I got because he's a reference queen of himself. Uh, he references Dawson's Creek because he calls it Dawson's Beach, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and then even before they go to Missy's house... Uh, I think Sarah Michelle Gellar brilliantly is like, oh, my God, I feel like I, I'm in Silence of the Lambs or whatever. Like right before we go to Buffalo Bill's house. She says, oh, Jodie Foster tried this and a serial yes, killer Foster answered the door. Yes, yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, oh, wait. Ew. Did he have a hook in his arm? Yeah. Hook in his hand. Oh, wait. Did you guys hit that guy last summer? The role. Yes, yes, sure. Yes, we did. Yes, a real dead man. Yeah, real reckless driving, sure. Um, you know, I I will say that this movie, certainly in the first act and throughout, Dawson's Creek, I think, is imminently unwatchable now. I think it is it is the epitome of cringe, painfully mm. cringy, and and it is something that I. I saw leaking into this movie and, you know, even okay. when they're at the, the pageant and, you know, Julie's like, Oh, I'm already like swimming in misogyny. You guys, can you stop? And it's just that like hyper intellectual <laughs> way of speaking that I'm just like, Oh, you are so like Ryan Murphy does it now. Like you're so enamored of yourself, you know? Right. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yes. So there is yeah. a bit of that. And part of that is this casting. Now I don't want to read these people because there are, heartthrobs from the 90s but um i'll get into ryan philby in a second but this movie felt like jennifer love hewitt playing jennifer love hewitt as a vehicle for jennifer love hewitt i i really think that she is an unfortunately weak link of i know what you did last summer and we'll get to it but sarah michelle geller is a strong link of I Know What You Did mm -hmm. Last Summer. And I would have mm. preferred Sarah Michelle Gellar as our final girl. Well, and what's so great about her being cast in Scream 2 is that she, I, there's something about her character, which was very small. Uh, what was her name in Scream 2? Cece. Cece, right. Cece Cooper. Yeah, Cece. Cece Cooper, Cece, yeah. Um, she, that character had way, way more places to go and she basically only had that death scene now don't get me wrong smg's death scene in this movie was fantastic because smg is good at it and i but she didn't get a chance to really do enough she was playing a parody of this this character because uh, that's how it was written and up against the final girl who you could argue shouldn't have been the final girl. Um, it, it, it didn't work. Well, I, I appreciate that Helen put up a really good fight. You know? Oh my God. She puts up a good chase and a good fight. And there's a capability there that, you know, up to the very end, she fights him off to the last, the last yes. moment. And in comparison, Julie is not my favorite final girl. Oh she, my God. She doesn't do anything. She tries to save herself by saying it was an accident. I mean, I just don't I I I have a very high standard for final girls. You know, Sydney Prescott, obviously, if we're gonna talk about uh -huh. final girls of the era, is Sigourney Weaver. Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> I mean, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis is Laurie Strode, not necessarily in the most recent one. 
uh, which is the most awful piece of garbage, but Halloween H2O, which came around in this era, mm. Jamie Lee as a final woman, fabulous. Mm. Yeah. Um, this was just so passive, and I think that was really disappointing, and I think in compared to Scream, where you have Sydney, who is so active, you know, and, like, there's so much of, like, Sydney and, and um, you know, Courtney Cox, what's her name, uh, Gail, you know, being more uh, heroin, Gail Weathers, being more... Gail Weathers finds a way, Mary. She does find a way, always. <laughs> you know, storm clouds don't scare this you know, this weather girl away. Um, $50. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Let's scream three. Um, Parker Posey. Uh, oh, Mar- I don't know her. You, you know what... Uh, the thing that I didn't, it, and I think it's Kevin Williamson's fault. I don't know what he was doing, but he made the boyfriend who's useless save her. He's yes. the one that saves her. Yes, and so it it doesn't have that impact of Final Girl. We never get to see Julie become capital Julie. Yes, you know? it's it's so old fashioned, you know, with him holding on to the rope and Ugh. you know, climbing back on the boat and and even I mean at the end Julie doesn't do anything. Ray and the boat do everything, you know? Mm-hmm. It it's a mm-hmm. boating mishap that Ray capitalizes on and that's how they, you know, quote unquote kill the killer. And uh she's a killer. I, I know I heard it and I was so mad at myself. I was so mad at myself. Um <laughs> They killed the killer. Oh, my teeth are off. <laughs> if only I could kill the killer. That's what. That's I think. There's the overlap. Yeah. Uh, so I I agree. I just find Julie to be, and I don't remember how gung ho she is in. I still know what you did last summer, but I think a bit more at the very least. Okay. Well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't uh, matter. I think they were really trying to push her up to stardom, and it didn't work. She was one of those stars that they pushed and then it people didn't take to her. I guess not. I feel I mean there was like she had Party of Five and then she was Well, the- she was so sweet in Party of Five. Her as Sarah is it's a, such a great role, but then you realize when you see her in other movies, the that's that's all she does. And I did love her in Can't Hardly Wait, but it was the same character as Party of Five. Ugh, yeah, I that's a movie I think I've only seen bits and pieces of, and it was like, eh, I got the idea. Um, I know she was in The Ghost Whisperer. I've never had any interest in that. Mm-hmm. You know, and eventually we will need to do a hate watch of uh, House Arrest. Oh, okay, right, yeah. right. Yeah. Yes. She was in so many things. And I don't mean to hate on love, but it... This this movie didn't really work for her, and I don't even know what it was about it. It's every line delivery. I was like laughing. Have you seen her in Heartbreakers with Susie Beaver? Susie Weaver, excuse me. This is the Weaver. I watched that a while ago, and I don't really remember it. Same, same. I feel like that's a movie that we could end up doing as a Matreon, given the cast, and mm-hmm. you know, given the subject matter. But like, I'm not running. Oh, Sarah Silverman's in it. Oh, how do you like that? Oh, yeah. Oh. Well, maybe it'll bump up the um, list a little bit. I there's there's so many lines. What was the line uh, when they're in the car? And oh god, I can't wait to talk about Ryan Phillippe in this movie and that character. But she turns around and she goes, "Can you say alcoholic?" Oh yeah. Oh, I was like, that's... nothing of that worked. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's the best you can come up with, you know. 
I would have I would have imagined Kevin Williamson being like, can you say future AA member? It's something like that. You know what I mean? Like, ooh, I right. put a twist on it, you know? <laughs> I put breadcrumbs on the mac and cheese and then I baked it, you know? Yeah, yeah. There's there's the line that she says. She's like, you're not a doctor. You don't make that decision. I'm, I, I just didn't believe any of this. Any yeah, of it. When- any of her... Any of her kind of like anger and being the odd one out in terms of hiding the body, like I just didn't believe it. I think that denim dress was a problem as well. <laughs> it was a real problem. I would like it was worse than Jenko jeans, you know. Well, and how were they dressing her in this movie? She was wearing. I see the character that they were going with with Julie James, right? She wears those long skirts that were very popular in the nineties. And she's very petite. She's, you know, she's very sweet looking. I just didn't think it matched with the character that was written for her and then what she was portraying. Well, you know, all four of them, but she's obviously the focus of it, is like all four of them are playing, Yeah, and this is also in the script and the direction, like such broad strokes of PTSD mm-hmm. in like once we're a year later. You know, oh, that God. first shot of her at the computer and her roommate's like, Come on, Julie, you're white. I'm supposed to remind you of that a few times because that's the only way Kevin Williamson can write a black character, <laughs> you know, is, is only as a reflection of, of calling the white characters white. And, um, and then Julie turns around from her computer and gives that look, and I was like, oh, she's haunted. She's haunted, right? Yeah, yeah. she's haunted. Uh, I love how that character just drops Julie off and then we never see her again. Yeah, she's I guess technically she's the one who drops off the letter at the very end when I guess Julie's showering at the gym uh-huh. and it's like, "Oh, I better go bring her this unmarked letter." Oh god. I, I that last scene, we should just talk about it. She's on the cordless phone yeah. in the locker room. The phone that I had as a kid in the living room. Like she's too far away from the base. <laughs> And in the shower, it didn't make any sense. It was so like, let's have Jennifer Love Hewitt in her towel so we can see her cleavage. Well, yeah. It it was so weird. I get that they wanted the the steam in the shower somehow and whatever with that perfect handwriting. I still know. It was like written by a computer. It it was, yes. I, I, it was so. I, I knew that they, they wanted to obviously have a jump ending. And it was like, at a certain point, you'd have to just accept that like you can't afford what you want to buy. Like you haven't mm-hmm. earned this moment in the mm. least. And, and, it, and, you know, and again, as I said, I'm willing to suspend my disbelief for a fun slasher movie, but yeah. I think if you don't set a boundary of how much disbelief you're willing to suspend, you are opening things up for just like bad movies. You know what I mean? Just like lazy script writing and lazy direction you know, and I think nobody was nobody was taking everybody was taking it too seriously for it to be as poorly put together. Yeah, exactly. Like I, exactly for this to be considered like one of the pillars of the '90s, you know, uh, resurgence of horror movies. It's like this. We're, like this mm. to me, and this might even be giving it too much credit. I think I know what you did last summer is the skipper to screams Barbie, and I think that's probably generous. <laughs> Wow, Bob. Yeah. It might be the midge to Screams Barbie, the third wow, friend. You, you really you really uh, don't care if people love this movie, you know? People I love this think, movie. You know, I would say this is a movie, especially for folks our age who maybe watched this 
in the theaters as a kid, you know, um, or on HBO or rented it from Blockbuster or whatever. It's interesting to revisit Scream from the same time period. And obviously it's a bit dated, but there's a lot of it that holds up. It's still like, oh, that's still like a good movie. That's still, yeah, wow, that, that earned the reputation that it got. I mm. think that I know you did last summer revisiting it. It was like, this is so stupid. You know, it it makes me want to revisit Urban Legend next and see if like that holds up. You know, and like apparently that's better. Yeah, apparently I, that is better than this. Yeah, I I would that would be fun to do. I mean, I think we're this is our last all right scary for the season, which I think is yes fair because we're still doing Dracula and all the Patreon episodes. But who knows? We might get scary over the winter and pop urban legend in. Well, if ever there was a time to talk about therapy. And I do love to talk about therapy. I honestly don't know anyone who wouldn't benefit from it these days, myself included. I couldn't agree more, Mary. And it's super accessible now, thanks to BetterHelp. That's H-E-L-P. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed professional therapist safely and privately. You can be matched with someone within 24 hours. And with phone or video sessions available, scheduling a session is as easy as ordering a lovely cheese pizza just for me. And much like Selena, I love pizza. I also love that you can send a message to your counselor basically at any time and actually get a response. And if you want to change counselors, no problem. It's both free and easy. BetterHelp is available worldwide, and their counselors are licensed and trained in everything from depression and anxiety to grief, relationships, sleep, self-esteem, and more. There are so many people using BetterHelp right now. They've recruited more counselors in all 50 states. It's more affordable than traditional in-person talk therapy, and there's even financial aid available if you need. Marys, if you're interested in trying BetterHelp, get 10% off your first month by going to betterhelp.com slash allrightmary. That's H-E-L-P. That's right. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. That's betterhelp.com slash allrightmary. And that's H-E-L-P. All right, Mary. You know, I want to just say, I feel like Jim Gillespie, the director must have given up at some point with Jennifer Love Hewitt and was like, all right, it's her vehicle. It, she's just the star. As evidenced in this last scene, because this is really bad acting. Like, yeah. really, not even can't be funny. Kind of like cringy. Like, oh, Ray, don't you start with me. I, I, I wanted to stab my ears. I just was like, this is so bad. This, How did I buy this back in the day? I know. And I guess that's the other thing is, is like this was certainly, and I have more examples of this, but this is certainly a teen audience that will just eat this up because their faves are in it and it's spooky. I think that's exactly what it was. I mean, I think just looking at IMDb, like let's see how much money this movie made because I think that answers mm. the question. The The budget was $17 million and the worldwide gross was $125 million. So I wow. think that answers your question, you know, yeah. is... And I think that makes a lot of sense, like even the marketing. You know, you look at the poster, it's like that's it's that style of let's have scream. A, yeah. yeah, and and yeah, the montage of familiar faces, make sure to get some boobies in there. And uh -huh. that's what people are going to see. And so, like, for example, that scene with Helen in the police car when they're going down the alley, you know, if you're just watching that 
you know, for the thrill of it in 1997 in the Cineplex Odeon, then, oh my God, no, don't go out there. It's the killer. How is she going to get out of the car? You know, like you could just have that experience. But if you're watching it at home on your couch and you're 36 and, you know, you've just been through a pandemic, you might have a different lens and be like, this is so stupid. What are the chances that this would all work out? And oh, I know. why are we letting this kind of lazy script writing why are we accepting this, you know? Yeah. What's interesting about that scene is Kevin Williamson wrote that scene and then also wrote the cop car, getting out of the cop car scene in Scream 2. Right. Except the one in Scream 2 worked so much more because there were stakes. He was in the car. Uh, mm-hmm. They had to get over the body, you know? Um, yeah, it was a real improvement it, on... It's funny, you know, there's there's Sarah Michelle Gellar jumping out a window... There's, mm. you know, someone trying to break out of a cop car. It's funny some of the tropes that keep popping up in these movies. That he's almost creating and commenting mm-hmm. on at the same time, you know, in Scream 2 at least. Certainly. Um, yeah, I, I, I want to uh, – let's just kind of change gears a little bit and talk about the belligerent drunk in the room. And we can talk about Barry, Ryan Phillippe's character. Mm, Barry. Are people naming Barry. their babies Barry anymore? Are their baby Barrys? Ma- I don't know. My brother-in-law's name is Barry. That's true, but and he's not. He's like, well, he's a baby, but you know, <laughs> bag and sag and Barry. Yeah. So, um, I, he is probably the weakest written character in this. The most unbelievable because he is this belligerent bully who who gets like really physical with all of his friends, and he, yet they still hang out with him. He chokes Julie right in yeah. front of Ray, and then after you know Julie accepts you know the the, the lie that they're gonna bring this to their grave, then Ray is like, "Oh come on, Julie, you know, it'll be okay." <laughs> like there's no, yeah, I I cannot understand. I cannot understand this friendship. The parody. First of all, let's just have a moment for oversized sweaters that are waffle or ribbed. Oh, uh, rest in peace structure, you yes. know. <laughs> rest in peace. I mean, yes. Uh, Express for men. this movie. Yeah. Yes. This, is, this was the trend uh, and where we saw it. You know, I wouldn't even be surprised if they sold those sweaters with a little bit of blood, you know, stains. Absolutely. Because then you're like, oh, now I really look like him, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the scene... I do think that this scene is worth kind of dissecting a little bit because I don't know who was right, who was speaking. The sex scene sort of between Sarah and Ryan, uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar and Ryan, Barry and Helen, um, she's like fantasizing with him like, oh, well, lope to Europe or the Caymans and then you'll impregnate me before you head off to rehab and we can live happily ever, blah, blah, blah. That seemed very satirical. That's for, Kevin Williamson yeah. giving teenagers yeah. like that's giving them that's so Dawson's Creek. This is I can hear Katie Holmes saying these same lines, mm. you know, mm-hmm. um, and they it's always that kind of it's that delivery. It's out of the side of the out of the corner of your mouth delivery. You know what I'm talking mm. about? Like it's oh, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. rye. It's always rye delivery. And then before sure. you go to rehab, like it's always there, yeah. there's just this <laughs> this rehab. There's always this ryeness about it. It just oh mm. uh, I can't put some butter on it, Tammy. You know? Yeah, yeah. No, I get all that. I also didn't believe that. Julie James was going to lose her virginity on a beach with no condom and sand. Sand. She's going to think sex is awful. 
You know, uh, if this is your first experience, I mean, I guess the only upside is it can only go up from here because, like, I've never had sex on a beach, but yeah, like that's exactly what happens. You're just gonna, you know, exfoliate your your portals, your little your spaces, yeah. you know. Yeah, sex on the beach is very much a game of the ground is lava, but it's the ground is sand. Yeah, yeah, and 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 your butthole is sandpaper. Yeah. <laughs> So the scene also the car the drinking in the car scene sucks. First of all, as an adult, I'm very nervous the whole time. Um, but you have this parody of a of a bully in the back seat drinking a bottle of whiskey at 18 years old, then turning on the rock music and going out the top window and screaming like, "I would stop the car!" Like, what is going on here? I don't know. This is that that late '90s, you know, and the, uh, only late '90s, but certainly in late '90s movies. I think of "Can't Hardly Wait" of like cool guy moments. It's putting on mm. the rock music and wooing out the out the sunroof, and it just, you know, there has to be that moment. And I guess if you're drunk, you don't have that. But if you were sober, of like you're out the sunroof, you're screaming, you're wooing. You have to have a moment of like, what am I doing? What am I doing right now? What? 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 Where does this end? What's the objective here? You know? Um, yeah. And who? Who are his friends? Even allowing this? Like that's the other part of it. Like were they friends with him just because he was rich? Like I tried to like go into the dynamics of that they hinted at in this movie of the the wealth disparity between Max and the other three, mm-hmm. and it it it. I think that's more in the I book get, as well. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. And that's but very low as Duncan. Yeah. Right. And so him doing this, like, oh, I have to let him do this because this is what cool kids do. I guess that's the only thing. The only, the other thing I want to say is when he breaks, Ryan Phillippe's character would go totally flying out of this mm-hmm. car. Yeah. There's nothing holding on to him. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I mean the impact of the of the body hitting him. You wouldn't just have like you would have some of your own blood on your face. Your your nose would be broken. You know, seriously. Like what? How did? Oh my god! Um, I did kind of love the campiness of this. You know, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? Mostly because if you go back and watch this, the way Sarah Michelle Gell- Sarah Michelle Geller tries to run away is so funny. Oh, she like runs yeah. back towards the car and it's this like wonky run. Uh-huh. He's like, oh, Where are I you died. going? What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that I mean I, I loved the the melodrama of all of that, but really it wasn't until we got to the year later and I was like, Oh god, the broad strokes of quote uh-huh. unquote how this affected them is mm-hmm. it, like and, and the fact that like I think, I'm sure this is what is in the book as well, like the idea that they all drifted after this traumatic experience and the couples broke up and mm. Julie and Helen were best friends and they, they've drifted. Like there is, in different, more capable hands, there is an interesting story there, but they really needed to kind of speed through that and do a color by numbers of it because they had to get to the, like, you know, the scary shit. But I, oh god, you yeah, know? just yeah, it was evidenced in that scene when Julie goes to see Sarah Michelle Gellar or goes looking for her at Shivers, the dress shop. Um, Which, by I the way, should is is incorrect. It should be Shivers's. 
It's because it's shivers, shiver apostrophe right. s, but their name yes. is shivers, so it should be yes, shivers. You're right. Yeah, you're right. Shivers, <laughs> shivers. Um, We're having a winter you know. coat sale at shivers. <laughs> uh, yeah, but the just how they showed the failure of SMG, right? Of Helen, um, you know, she's so embarrassed. The things didn't work out for her in New York. She, you know, I went for a while. It didn't really work out, and then. You know, the next scene they go to find Barry and she's smoking that cigarette like, you know, she's just this broken down 19 year old. Yeah, this this washed up, dried up has been. Yeah. <laughs> According to her terrible sister. Yeah, oh, it was just so much of a stretch. And then, God, we have more of Barry just in his mansion. Hey, what are you two doing here? I He is so cringy this entire movie just yelling you shut the hell up like all of these scenes he's al pacinoing it a lot there's a mm. lot of just like all right mary you need to you need to ease up and it's a lot of tank top acting and a lot of oh god you know, the tank tops this was 90s boy band physiques it's so interesting to see how male physiques were back then that this was thirst trappy right that they were wearing these tank tops and they have these swimmers builds because that's kind of what was in when it came to like the straight man and the and and lusting after them they were just so little they were so yeah i mean the idea that like barry is a quarterback you know i'm Mm. gonna kill your quarter college quarterback ass or whatever that terrible line was (laughs) but it's like oh no he is maybe a Pilates instructor, you know, like, right. They're so lithe, you know, but (laughs) I, you know, but very much, I would say Freddie Prince Jr. That spready smile of his and the Mm -hmm. way he wore that black tank top. I was like, I'll make it work. I'll make it work. I mean, he's very charming. He's very charming. But the thing about Freddie Prince Jr., and don't get me wrong, like Freddie Prince Jr., he's very he's better than Ryan Phillippe in this movie in the sense of like, I like you. But he's another one of those just heartthrobs that's in a heartthrob movie. And it I don't know what he brought to this except he was attractive. I I, I can't tell if he's that good of an actor. I think Survey says probably no, but you know, I, worth revisiting She's All That at some point just to see sure. how that carries over. Uh, yeah, he's, I mean, he, very pretty to look at. But, I I mean, when he says at one point, like, I got a letter. It was like, I wasn't convinced either. It, it, he's He's got some clunker moments, yeah. yeah. I, was, I was barely convinced. I mean, it's interesting. They keep trying to set up this dynamic, like, you know, we don't really want to know you anymore because you're poor, because you're a fisherman now, right? Yeah, well, and- well, well. Look who's a fisherman. Yeah. <laughs> Ray grew up to be a fisherman, huh? Uh, it, in this it's, town? It's- yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, probably. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Didn't see that one coming, yeah. And I don't think he owns it. I just don't think he owns that character being different from them. Does yeah, they had to tell me. I didn't see how he was different. I wasn't, I, I just, I wasn't seeing. Uh, I just didn't see it. it. Yeah, it's, again, another example of, like, the teenness of this movie. What is interesting is that we get a shower scene not with one of the female leads, but with Ryan Phillippe. Oh, He's yeah. in the shower. Oh, it was, that, and that made me think of, like, this is classic late 90s male heartthrob moment like this uh-huh. this like yeah. hairless 
you know, you know, tight, muscly, no body fat, just pretty, mm-hmm. you know, hasn't pooped a day in his life kind of looking guy. Yeah. Yeah, he is just this rail uh, with muscle, obviously. Like, there's yeah. muscle on him. You know, he's obviously boxing, um, which, again, I'm just like, oh, God, the tropes here. Oh, Adam. Um, um, he's angry. He's so angry because he's so rich. Yeah. yeah, he's boxing. What was it? Southport Muscle? Is that what the place was called? Oh, yeah, Southport no, Muscle. Remember. Yeah, oh, that was God. the name of the gym. <laughs> Uh, okay, yeah. I do want to just mention, just as we were talking about Freddie Prince Jr., we're so overdue, and I, of course, haven't even seen it, to do The House of Yes, which he is in. Oh, The House of Yes. Okay. Okay. So, he will be a Matreon alum in that movie. He will. Okay. He will. So, so just to highlight that we are long overdue, but we, yes. we will talk. We'll see. Maybe he's better with a better script, you know? Maybe. To be uh, fair. I, yeah, let's be fair. Let's yeah. be fair with a better script. Um, so we get into the Anne Haitianess of things with Julie and Sarah Michelle Gellar, sorry, Helen, um, it basically interrogating her, and it's all fine. Th- that scene was also very clunky, where they're, you know, having to call AAA or whatever. She gave um, up a lot of information real fast. <laughs> Without, yeah, yeah, Without, I thought she'd be a little no question. Thought she'd be a little more, you know, wary country bumpkin. What do y'all want from me? You know, biting <laughs> on a on a on a piece of wheat. You know, yeah, yeah. It it seemed way too clunky of writing, and you know, much to Sarah Michelle Gellar's credit and Julie and uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt, um, they were able to kind of get through it. But uh, and Hannah Hayes is great. I just I think she's good at playing kind of like unhinged a little bit, and you don't know what she's gonna do. But uh, the scene did not work, uh, and I couldn't. I was so distracted. I agree. I mean, at this point, I think it, by by the time we got to those scenes, I think I had the movie had break broken me down, and I was like, "Fine, whatever you're gonna do." Again, much like watching like a Ryan Murphy show. By episode four, it's like, "Fine, okay. whatever, whatever rules yeah. we're gonna play by here." I guess this right, is how we're right. doing this. Right. I guess Sarah Michelle Gellar's character would chug a diet coke right before bed. Oh, yeah. that diet coke looked delicious, though. It did. In that can? It did. I, it did. And the, the very 90s-ness of her jean shorts just barely covering her navel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also I also was kind of like brought back. It was very nostalgic well, those to see are, that style. I think those are back in fashion now. So guess oh, really? what, Mimi? Yeah. She did. She Yeah, you will. Um, you know, something I want to bring up that I think is very important and comes up with horror movies all the time is the the value of having a good scream. And oh. I think that does, because Julie, you know, love has given me Newt. You know what I mean? Like, mm. I, I'm getting like a weak kettle, whereas Sarah Michelle Gellar, oh. great scream. So oh my good. God. I mean, she she's okay to contort her face mm-hmm. and get gross with it. She it's gets her curling. diaphragm into it. Yes. You know, it, it's it's real raw. I love it, and I think that is worth noting. And it'd be fun to explore of like great screams. Obviously, Nev Campbell's you know Ugh. certainly up there. Impeccable. Yeah. Impeccable. Oh, that scream. She's so because it's also the face. I don't mm-hmm. know, and that's it's what the Sarah performance does as well. of it. Yeah. Yes, and that's why the best scene of this movie is Sarah Michelle Gellar's death scene from start to finish from the talent show portion of that contest mm-hmm. where she has to sit there politely listening to that woman sing fame. I loved oh. it. Oh, 
I mean, yeah, it was such a nice set piece for her. And I think that that stood out to me the most is really the takeaway from this movie is that Sarah Michelle Gellar. And I think because I'm not a Buffy person yet uh, that I I get fits and starts of her where it's like, oh, she's so good at this, at, at the is. tone of this genre, mm-hmm. you know? Yes, 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 yes. That's it. And I am excited to see if she comes back into her adulthood onto the screen. Apparently there's rumors that she has projects coming up. So I will be interested to see where she lands as adult SMG. Um, but the, you're absolutely right. She, at the time, was totally dialed in to what she needed to do. Yeah, yeah. I just think she she knew... It was like the same way that there was a specific tone that Kevin Williamson was doing with Scream and that you know, movies were kind of taking on. I felt like she knew... I think of like Parker Posey in a Christopher Guest movie, you know? It's like, oh, mm. I get what you're doing here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're totally aware. Mm-hmm. The, the weakest part of this death scene was how they edited in Julie doing research on the computer. Mm. Yeah, I don't need to see Julie on a 1997 computer, you know, using her AOL hours. It didn't create more suspense for me. It just kind of broke it up. Like when she was in that dress shop and that whole chase scene using the lift and getting, you know, the swiped at and jumping out the window, like she escapes. That's the other thing that I love about this death scene is that she actually gets free. She escapes. If she didn't and do that one is, less turnaround, yeah. Uh-huh, that's right, yeah. that's right. She should have just booked it to the parade, yep. for sure. Yeah, it's, you know, it, it's very frustrating then because the, then the next scene is Julie on the boat doing nothing, you know, trying right. to push that incredibly fake ice to block the door. It was like, Julie... <laughs> Yeah, doing nothing. Her screams in that were were good. They just weren't the screams I think that I wanted. Uh, you know, if you're not going to give me Shelley Duvall in The Shining, then I'm not. I'm not here. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, totally. You know, to kind of get a little all right, Mary, and see if we can make this movie more than it probably is. Are these kids just getting punished for not giving up their privilege and doing the right thing? That's really what it is, right? Well, I mean, I, again, I think that you know, Lois Duncan, that's probably what she's exploring the most in the book is, you know, mm. is, you know, I feel like between this and killing Mr. Griffin, like, you know, there was a lot of like teenagers uh. dealing with grief, you know, grief with guilt and, mm. you know, and trusting one another and whatnot. And so I, I think the answer to your question is probably in the book. Does the movie do that? No. No, I think I don't think we're, we're allowed to give the movie that much credit. But I think if we wanted to be all right, Mary, about it and look at it, it's like this situation. It is interesting how they come to the conclusion of like, oh, no, there's no way we could come to the cops. They'll never believe us. I don't know if I think I think that I think that they could have gone to the cops. I think there was a way to to do this because they're, you know, mostly privileged kids. Um but I think there was probably a more interesting way of coming to the conclusion that they had to cover this up. You know what I mean? I think the stakes were yeah. not high enough for them to have to cover this up, you know? Right, right. It, I didn't see that it was that they were that they were going to lose so much. Yeah. Or, uh, or that they were so fucked if they went to the police. I just felt that it was right. It was, you know. Really, only Barry may have been fucked because it's his mm-hmm. car and he was drunk. Sure. And so 
and that's interesting, you know, a dynamic as well of like, you all have to go down with the ship with me or else I'm going to be your problem, which is kind of what they're implying with him literally choking Julie while saying, we're going to take this to our grave, you know? Um, So there's that narrative too of like, could it be that like, well, if we go to the cops, then, then Barry's going to kill us, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Would that have happened? You know, I, to go back to the plot hole, how did the fishermen who they dumped in the water, first of all, how did he not drown from being dumped in the water? Right. And staying under for so long. How did he even know it was them? Like, and then to stalk them later, like, how did he even know? I I don't know. Because, I mean, you think about, like, he certainly saw them. He opened his eyes before they pushed him in the water. And he grabbed yeah. her crown. So you're like, and I'm just trying to, I agree with you. I, I don't know. Because he doesn't know who they are and saw them at night. So he'd have to know who they are mm. and, you know, know where they live it there's i mean this killer is one of the most improbable killers who is just supposed to be a normal human being that i've ever seen yeah i mean he did uh, that also the backstory was also very confusing like oh it it was the girlfriend of the guy who got killed or suicide missy's brother's girlfriend it was payback and so he killed him dan egan or whatever and then he happened to be walking there david he happened to be walking across the street and then got hit. It's like he he got hit by a fucking car. He wasn't identifying anybody. Yeah, he got hit by a car and then pushed into the water. And then, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Like he, he would have woken up and then been like, hey, guys, I'm fine. I'm fine. Take me to the hospital. Right. Like, like, right. What Why, yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. It just didn't. This was not Jason Voorhees. I, I no, wasn't buying there was, it. No, there was, yeah, there was no, it was too spooky for spooky's sake. Mm-hmm. And I I didn't believe it. Uh, granted, like the, the idea of the fisherman with the hook and whatever, like, sure, that's scary. He's stalking all these teenagers. Fine. I, it, I think you really need a better connect the dots moment at the end. And it was so messy. I just couldn't follow. Yeah. Um, I also love that on once they were on his boat and she saw the evidence that he was the killer, it included a blown up printed out picture from the parade earlier that day. It was like, so where, what CVS one hour photo did he go to in the midst of everything else he was doing this day? God only knows where those crabs are, you know? (laughs) Yeah, where are the crabs? (laughs) Where the, where, nobody's looking for Max. I mean, that was an easy one of like, well, okay, you found his body. Maybe we should see where Max is. Maybe he's missing, you know? Uh, Max is missing. Well, uh, yeah, right. That, that whole reveal at the end, even with the little Easter egg of the necklace mm. that David Egan had in the very beginning of the movie, like such a small detail that was obviously in the book that played zero role. Oh, none of this is in the book. Who they hit is like a kid. Like all of this is in the movie. So the, we couldn't even say, oh, the book would, would flesh this out. All This was original. And so Kevin Williamson had to make it all make sense in the movie. You know what I mean? Oh, so wait. So tell me more about the book. Tell the Marys about the book. So the book, and I, I only know, I haven't read it in a very long time, like decades, but... In the book, A, nobody dies. I think Barry gets shot, but doesn't die. 
there's a whole other thing where the killer is playing two different people. You know, they they think it's two different people. It ends up being he's both of those people. I don't remember all the details. It's just it's none of the subplot of the movie, and I think it's more tied to like I think they hit a kid. And then it ends up being like the older brother of the kid or something like okay. that. Uh-huh. So, and uh-huh. they end up going to the police and admitting at the end. It's all very, very different. Um, a lot less violent. And Lois Duncan like vehemently hated this movie when it came out. Oh, good. So good. Um, so yeah, it's. Uh, have you ever read any of her books? Are you? Oh, of course. Yeah. Yes. I love yeah. Lois Duncan. It, Lois Duncan is a. Uh, it was a joy. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, she's. Sure. Uh, you know, I, the, the Twisted Window, Ransom. There's some good. There's some. Some good rides. Right. Yeah. Ransom. I remember. What's the one where, the, the cover is somebody, lying on the ground dead, with maybe a phone. Ooh, well, I guess it depends because there was it, there were different sort of eras of covers, but there could sure, be. Well, sure. you know what, you know, because there is. I'm looking at I'm looking at them now. Down I a do dark remember. Hall. I remember. Don't look behind you. Definitely remember that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and the cover was a, I think, a phone. Like it was something like that. Uh, that's kind of what comes to mind when I think about Don't Look Behind You. There was a phone on the cover. Um, but maybe that was another book. Uh, but yeah, I, I do remember that. Did she do, why do I feel like she wrote Number of the Stars? That's not her. I don't think that's her. No. She, I'm looking through her Let's books see who now. Wrote Number of the Stars. Let's see. Number of the Stars. Oh, Lois Lowry. <laughs> oh, yes. Lois Lowry. Yeah. I remember that name. Lois and Duncan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just, you know, these ladies just writing, you know, scary kids books. Yeah, Mm. Lois Duncan, she's, I mean, the only thing about Lois Duncan now is I recommend if anyone's going to read her to try to track down an older copy because the reprints, she's modernized them. And so they have like cell phones and the internet. And I just, I don't need that. I'm so happy to read a book that's written in 1973 and set in 1973, you know? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. It's like the kids are too dumb to figure it out but they should figure it out like yeah. no this is back then yeah, yeah. and and the, the dialogue style doesn't match so it's just like don't you know if it ain't broke don't fix it um, got it you know it. speaking of things i don't need uh i i don't know why this feels so resonant to me but the the coolest shaker song over the credits feels like something I'm very familiar with and I don't know why. Do you remember that song? I don't no, I don't know. I didn't recognize that song. I didn't recognize a lot of the nineties music. Oh, it was uh, in this so movie. like scream. It was just so of that era to just have like these kind of what we talked about with Jennifer's body, to have mm-hmm. just some like rock song that kind of fit the the theme of the movie. Yeah, right. I'm looking at the music now. There's a song called DUI by The Offspring, which makes Oh, The Offspring. Sense. Oh my god, yeah. Um one of my favorite songs growing up is on the soundtrack of this movie, but I don't remember hearing it. Clumsy by Our Lady Peace. Oh I don't remember god. this song in this movie at all. I think that was often the case where again, it's just like, you know, it's almost like, don't you think this song would be great in this movie? You know what I mean? Like, mm. it's that feeling. I don't know how they figured out, like, soundtracks that went with movies where the song wasn't in the movie. I don't understand why the song is on the soundtrack. What's the logic? Right, right. Like, Wake Up Call by the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. Oh, my God. 
I mean, this isn't the, the Mighty Mighty Boss. Well, I mean, I was gonna say this isn't the soundtrack to Clueless. If you're gonna have the Mighty Mighty Boss tones, have it be Clueless. <laughs> oh God, it's almost too much. Oh God, the '90s of this—it is very that era. That's the other thing that I do did appreciate about this rewatch was I was like, ah, oh, okay. I'm back in the 90s. I'm with my friends in the movie theater getting popcorn, you know, in town. Yep. Because we were we were in town. We weren't like at the mall because that was when we were in high school. This was like middle school. This is like, oh, we could only go in town to see this. Like the theater on Main Street, the Rialto on Main Street. Yes. Yeah. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm think i probably saw this in the theaters i i feel like as as the song over the credits was playing it just like brought me back to a moment that maybe happened in my real life or is just an imagined memory mm. of like the lights coming up and people standing up with their leftover popcorn like just that feeling of a movie being over you know yeah you know it, it's worth getting nostalgic uh, as we end this because one of my biggest pet peeves and if you get close enough to me and now mary as you know but one of my biggest pet peeves is as you're walking out of the movie theater, if if you talk or if you talk or if you if you want to be like, so what'd you think? I don't want any of that. Like, get me out of the theater. I don't even want to hear other people's opinions. Mm -hmm. Get me out of the theater to the bathroom or, you know, to the lobby. And then we walk to the car kind of thing. Then we can maybe debrief. But I don't want to do it while we are slowly walking out of the theater in the dark while there's credits playing, while other people can hear us. It's why I've started saying like really cheesy things at the end of a movie that match the title. Like after this one, I probably would have said to make everybody shut up, I would have said, well, I guess he really did know what they did last summer. It would be that. Right, right. <laughs> just something to just spread mayonnaise over the conversation. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, yeah, yes. I, I know what you mean. I don't like talking about a movie as we're leaving the theater. I think uh, among the shuffle, because it's like, just get me out of here. I think it's depending on how far the walk through the actual lobby is from the like theater to the door maybe there's room to start talking, but sometimes the procession goes all the way to the door. And then as you disperse in the parking lot, then it's like, Ooh, so what'd you think? You know, then I think that's okay. Right. Yeah. 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 I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because of something that my mom used to do probably, and it goes back that probably. early. Right. But I just can't, I just hate it. I don't know what it is. And I guess as I got older, I would go to the movies with people. I don't understand people that want to sit there throughout the whole credits as if they're pensive or as it, I mean, I guess it's different with a Marvel movie. Like you might wait for a mid credit scene or an end credit scene yeah. that I get, but that those are specific movies that like you maybe know to stay. I, I just, I don't like that. Why are we sitting here? <laughs> oh, so I know exactly what you're talking about because the first time I went to see mass and I went with, two of my friends and the movie's over and you know a lot of people are just sitting there but I don't need to and my one friend I could tell that she was kind of like okay you know I'm kind of ready to get up but then my other friend was just like firmly planted and and there was just the sense of like oh is this the respectful thing we're supposed to be doing like I feel like he uh -huh. was more doing it as like oh well this is just like the respectful thing to like it's let the credit film. it's yeah. an art film right. yeah like because he sort of works in, you know, not the, the industry, but there is 
tied enough to movies and whatnot and whatever he does that like there was just this sense of like that it would be sacrilege to leave at this point but oh it's just just an energy we didn't talk about it all there was just this energy of like oh i guess we're not leaving okay um okay okay so i don't know so some of it also feels certainly in new york like that performative thing that audiences in new york do you know like Mm. when they laugh knowingly mostly so people in the other in the audience know that they got the joke you know sure yeah no i i know that look yeah no and i don't mean to be like a hater or anything i just for me personally i'm like unless i'm crying and need a moment Uh uh-huh that's why i'm staying there i'll usually stay until the role of the credits like yes. if it's flashes right there's a time when you should get up right either lights come up or the role starts but it's usually a song that i don't want to listen to now if it's a song that i do want to listen to look out mary's because i'm gonna love it yeah. but I, I yeah i i that's just not me uh and this movie kind of made me go back to that place of like, oh, we're getting up now and we have our popcorn that's almost empty and uh, our cherry Coke that probably is empty mm-hmm. and we got to get up. Got to get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, and I was, I was certainly happy to, I, uh, you know, the last thing, the last note I have that we, we haven't talked about is just how uh, Julie and Ray at the end, the like disgusting level of trauma bonding they're doing where he's just like, you know, oh, I I God. I love you, and she says, "I you understand your yeah. pain." Yeah, yeah, right. and right. that's what right. brings them together. And I was like, "Garbage, Mama! Come on, ew!" Yeah, really, really clunky. Yeah. Clunky. So you know, as we end this, obviously, there's a sequel that came out. I still know what you did last summer, which is a brilliant title, uh, and it stars Mackay Pfeiffer and Brandy as the new friends that did not die. Um, anything we should know about Still No Eated Last Summer? I haven't seen that in forever. You know, it's all a bit convoluted. Jack Black shows up in it. You know, um, I I rewatched it again recently, and I wanted to be more engaged than I was. I definitely like got up and walked away. And like, also, if you thought Freddie Prinze Jr.'s character was improbable in in this movie, you have not seen anything yet. It is ridiculous the lengths this character goes uh, in this movie. It's just banana pants. So I don't know if it's worth watching, to be honest. Like, okay. I think there's so much great stuff out there that I think we, we have gotten in this glut of content. I think we need to, to exercise our divine right to be like, no. I don't want to watch that because there's something else I want to watch instead. You have a divine and animal right to protect yourself and the well-being of your children, whatever Juliet Lewis says. That's right. You have a divine right to protect the lives of you and your Netflix playlist. (laughs) Sure, Mary. Well, I'm glad that we, you know, revisited what we did last summer uh, and I don't need to think about it again for a little while. Yeah, much like actual last summer, I don't really want to think about it anymore. (laughs) Marys, if you have any thoughts on this movie, anything we missed, you can reach out to us on Twitter at All Right Mary, or you can email us at allrightmarypodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.allrightmary.com or tasteofreality.com slash allright-mary. If you want, I'm on Instagram at Johnny Also or on Twitter at Johnny Also One. 
And you can hear even more of me on my two other podcasts, In the Details, A Celebration of Nuance, or Best Supporting Podcast, A Celebration of Best Supporting Actresses. And you can find more of me on Twitter at Colin Drucker and Instagram at Colin Drucker underscore. And of course, you can get more of both of us, including lots of other spooky recaps, Drag Race UK Season 3, and even Season 2, if you want to go back and listen to that. And of course, all of our Only Marys content at the Only Marys level. And that is at patreon.com slash all right mary all right mary uh well thanks for going on this all right scary journey with me this last month slash month and a half yeah uh we're gonna go to just you know happy halloween or halloween as i should say um as chloe seven e would say um to you marys out there uh next week we're just gonna be doing dragula and those episodes are coming out on Fridays. So for a little while, while Dragula is going on, um, we our, our release date will not be at the beginning of the week. It will be at the end of the week. Unless you're a Matreon, and then you would continue Ooh. to get Drag Race UK uh, mm. on Sundays slash Mondays, depending on your time zone. And if you're an Only Mary, you then get another episode during the week. Uh, it could be a catch-up, could be you know a deep dive into something. And and right now, if you are an Only Mary, you're also getting Canada's Drag Race Curries and Gravy catch-up episodes. So like, oh. yeah, um, just just to enumerate the situation. Ah, uh, just just so much content, so much content. Yeah. Uh, well, Marys, thanks so much for listening. It has been. Really, really fun. fun. It, <laughs> it's been, uh, you know, a spooky little Halloween season. Um, if I'm being honest, I think next year we should pick some spookier stuff or maybe campier stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I was pleasantly surprised by, if I'm going to reflect a little bit, pleasantly surprised by Jennifer's Gooby. I was pleasantly surprised by Misery and by Sounds of the Lambs. I know what you did last summer. Eh. I know. Did 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 we end on a bit of a, uh, a snotty tissue with this one? Should we have ended with Silence of the Lambs that we just loved so much? Maybe Misery. I mean, that was so that was good. pretty impactful. That did that did kind of do some imprinting. But you, fooler, you fooler. <laughs> who me? So you know. But I'm curious to hear from the Marys because I know we did. We did poop all over this movie, and I mm. wonder if. People disagree if they share their our opinions. I um, I didn't expect to feel so strongly about this movie as I did, but in the wise words of the Golden Girls, I had to say how I feel. There you go, Mary. Well, we will see you soon, Mary, over watching Dragula uh, or on Patreon, and we hope you have a great Halloween, and we'll see you in November. Yeah, see you.